singing good singing again upon this Lord's Day. We turn uh, in God's Word then to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. For those of you who are visiting with us, we're on a series of messages from the book of Hebrews. We've covered uh, the first 31 verses as well of Hebrews chapter 11. This morning we're considering verses 32 through the end of the chapter. This evening we return to our study of the various trees of the Bible, leaving behind uh, Old Testament accounts and looking at uh, a very important sycamore tree this evening. Pray that uh, you'll give attention to God's word tonight as well. This morning though, Hebrews 11, verse 32. Let's hear then God's breathed out word to you and I today. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, or even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our Father, our Lord in heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word that was written so many years ago, and by faith, many people have read it. We ask that you'll guide those who are, that they may receive this word, be with Pastor Bob as he ministers on this word, that it may come to us. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. Amen. So three things from this passage. First of all, a reminder us to consider. Secondly, the unnamed. And then thirdly, the unity. So a reminder, the unnamed and the unity that we come to in verses 39 and 40 as we close out this chapter. First of all, the reminder that as the chapter, as the section begins in verse 32, the reminder is this. The people that are listed are a really mixed group of people. 
it's almost a kind of a strange listing. Considering who has been listed in the previous verses of Hebrews chapter 11. People such as Abel and Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Seems kind of strange that we have a list that appears as well of men like Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. And I say it's a mixed group because some of those names we might expect, right? From, from what we know of the Bible stories, from what we know of the accounts that are given to us in God's word, seeing a name like Gideon with his band of 300 going against the Midianites, we might think, yeah, maybe Gideon as, as one of those listed as a person of faith, an example of faith, an encouragement of faith. David? Well, it depends on how deeply we've studied David in our lives, right? If all we know are the Sunday school accounts, which gloss over all the sin and all the problems and all the difficulties... We might go, well, sure, David's name appears there. After all, he killed the giant. Yes, but hmm, he also committed adultery with Bathsheba. He also murdered Uriah. He was not a real good father. Samuel, well, now there's somebody we could probably say... Seems to be a pretty good guy, pretty faithful guy as we go down through the scriptures. But there's some names that are just puzzling here. Barak? He, he's the guy that Deborah has to tell, go to war. And, and he's like, I don't know about that. I don't know. Samson? You talk about a guy whose life goes the ups and downs. Jephthah? If you read his account in the book of Judges, his life is not real stellar. Yet, they appear in this chapter of these people of faith. So some names that are there, the names that we have listed, are to be expected. Some are puzzling. But it's also kind of strange who isn't mentioned, right? I mean, yeah, we have this lump sum of prophets. But how come Elijah isn't there? Where's Elisha? Why no Daniel? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Mordecai. Where are these folks in Hebrews chapter 11? But their name, that personal name, doesn't occur. That's why I say, first of all, as we look at this, just... Just be reminded, it's kind of an interesting group of people that we have before us. Certainly not all those that we would give gold stars to. These are not perfect people. The second thing about them is the fact, though, that as the passage goes on, I want you to note again how it's all about action. 
right? Starting at 33, and that which takes place. It's all about that which these people do. It is, again, a passage that reminds us of faith in action. Thank you, William. It reminds us of that. As I mentioned last Lord's Day, nobody passes theological exams to get in Hebrews chapter 11. It's the life they live. It's the life they live out of faith. These are people of action who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. But then comes that next phrase. We're made strong out of weakness. See, I think that's what we often miss in this listing of folks of Hebrews chapter 11. That, that's why I cringe a little bit when, when Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to by that title of heroes of faith. It makes it sound like these people were so great at faith that they were so strong. What actually we have here is what that verse is telling us. These are weak people who were made strong. These are not strong people who did strong things. These are weak people who in the hands of God, by the gift of faith, do that which is strong. Keep your finger here. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I've referenced this the, the last couple of times, but, but let's just read how this applies to you and I as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, go down to verse 26. For consider your calling. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise. According to worldly standards, not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You see that coming back? Verse 34, they were made strong out of weakness. You, you want to know what made strong out of weakness means? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God chose. Who did God choose? The strong? No, God chose the weak. God chose the barracks. God chose the Jephthahs. God chose the Samsons. God chose the Davids. God chose the Abrahams. God chose the Jacobs. God chose the Moses. God chose the people of Israel. God chose the Rahabs. God chose the weak. And made them strong. For his glory. Hebrews chapter 11 is not for us to go, wow, look at the faith of Abraham. Abraham was such a great guy. 
Look at the faith of Moses. Moses was such a great guy. Hebrews chapter 11 is not to point us to the people. Remember what they're doing in Hebrews 12? They're witnessing. They're testifying. What are they testifying? Moses is testifying. I was weak. But God made me strong. What is Abraham testifying? I was weak. But God made me strong. What is Samson testifying? I am a weak man, but God makes me strong. See, Hebrews chapter 11 isn't there to shame you and I. Oh, it's just as if you don't have faith like an Abraham. Oh, shame on you, you don't have faith like a, like a Moses. That's not the point of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11's point is this. You have the faith that God gives you. A faith that comes to you as a gift. And a faith that takes you and I as weak as we are, as sinful as we are, as foolish as we are. As unwise as we are. As unpowerful as we are. He uses us. Through faith. To shame. The world. First of all. This section of Hebrews chapter 11. Is a reminder of that to you and I this morning. Secondly. There is also a section in which we read, in which we're, we seem to be reading about people and events, but there are no names associated. Because if we read the section that, that picks up particularly at verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging. And even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. Destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Wandering about in deserts and mountains. And in dens and caves of the earth. If we took those things that are identified in those verses. And said, did those apply to... A lot of the people who are mentioned by name in the first part of Hebrews chapter 11. It'd be kind of tough to draw a parallel to, to those people. There seems to be a group of people that is emerging in Hebrews chapter 11. Who are those who by faith. Who are recorded here but their actions are recorded. Or that which happened to them is recorded, but not their names. So who is in this group? Well, it most likely is referring. And the author, through the Holy Spirit, is most likely bringing us to the time when no one's name is mentioned. That time of that close from the Old Testament to the beginning of the New. That time of those 400 years of silence. In terms of God's revelation. And we're getting a little bit of a peek. 
we're getting a little bit of a picture of that which happened. That which happened as, for example, the Greeks come in under Antichius Epiphanes. And the type of persecution that the Greeks put God's people under. Those people of faith. Those people who believed. Those people who were holding to faith. Yes, the Greek empire did indeed do those things. They were mocked. They were flogged. They were chained. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They did go about in skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were mistreated. They did wander about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. It is a reminder to us that God had his people. Even in that time of silence. God had his remnant. And those people for standing up to the society of their day. Those people for standing up to the culture of their day. Those people who when the Greeks come in and want to bring in all of their Greek influence, all their Greek way of life that was contrary to the truths of God's word. Said no. No. That is not what God has commanded to us. And they're willing to pick up their cross. And they were willing to be forsaken. And they were willing to die for the truth of God's word. This, you see, does not refer to that which is going to happen yet in the Roman Empire. See, by the time Hebrews is, is written, the, this, this is, is coming to us too early for the persecutions that Rome was going to bring. I think oftentimes we read this and we read into it. Oh, he's talking about the amphitheater and he's talking about the children being forced in that amphitheater to, to put on those, those lamb skins and then the lions are released upon the, the, the children. No, that is yet to come. The author is referencing that which has happened, that which has taken place, that which God's people have already suffered. God's people. But notice that phrase in verse 38. These people of whom the world was not worthy. What an amazing statement. These people. Unnamed people. People we don't know their lineage, people we don't know their name, we, we don't know anything about their particular situation other than the fact that they were people of faith. And the world was not worthy of them. 
I doubt many of us, hundreds of years after we've passed from this earth, are going to be remembered. There aren't going to be any books written about you and I, most of us. We're unnamed folks. But we are worthy. We are worthy just like these. You say, wait a minute. It says the world was not worthy of them. Yes, the world did not deserve their witness. The world did not deserve their presence because the world disdained them. The world hated them. The world despised them. Yet they were God's people. They were precious in his sight. He loved them. He cared for them. Matthew Henry in his commentary or excuse me, Simon Kistemacher in his commentary writes the following regarding that particular phrase. God's enemies cannot be compared with God's servants. God's servants are great in honor and stature. King Ahab cannot be measured against an Elijah, nor a Herod to a John the Baptist. Believers tower over the unbelieving world in God's eyes. Those who, by faith, today will die for the cause of Christ. Oh, there's powerful people, there's powerful nations. But in God's eyes, they are small in comparison to his people. The unnamed. They are worthy. In God's view. In God's sight. Because they are his people. They are the ones who are commended. Verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith. They are commended. Do you know what that word means? It means to speak highly of. Who speaks highly of them? Who commends these folks? The world? No. The world despises and hates God's people. It is God who speaks well of them. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? That this holy God that we began our worship with. This holy, holy, holy God. That's Psalm 99. Holy is He. He looks at you. He looks at me. And He speaks highly of us. Not of the power brokers of this world. Who are seeking to thwart the work of the church. To undo the work of the kingdom. The big names in lights. The people who get their name across the press every day. God's people. 
he speaks highly. gives a good report. You know what that report is? That report is this. When you and I stand before him in judgment, upon the moment of our death, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Because you see, God knows us God recognizes us, and God does not forget us. Even though we are unnamed, even though we're not an Abraham or a Noah or a Moses, as God's faithful people, he knows, he recognizes, he remembers, he commands, we are worthy, well done, good and faithful servant. But now comes it all comes to focus. Why? Why were they commended and why are you and I commended? Why? Verse 39. And all these though commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What's going on? Well, we're going to consider that under unity. The author, through the Spirit, is saying there is a certain way, a very important way, a very real way, in which these saints that lived in this Old Testament time and you and I, which live in this New Testament age, are unified. We are one. We are not two separate bodies. We are not two separate entities. But we are one body. We are a unit. And the reason we are a unit is this. First of all, because there is something better that lay ahead of those Old Testament saints. There was something better. Turn forward with me to the book of 1 Peter. Chapter 1. Find verse 10. 1 Peter 1, 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. They were looking ahead. All these folks... In Hebrews chapter 11, they're all looking ahead. They're looking ahead. They're looking ahead. They're looking ahead to what? To a salvation, to a promise of salvation that was not fully accomplished in their lifetime. They're always looking ahead, whether it's the Abraham or Noah, whether it's the Joseph, whether it's the David, whether it's the Barak, whether it's the Samuel, whether it's those of that unnamed portion. They're always looking ahead to what? To the full salvation that God had a promise 
to be coming. That which is the something better. Remember how Hebrews began? Hebrews chapter 1. Began with these words long ago. At many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiancy of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. That which is the something better. They were always looking forward to the coming of the Christ. They had that longing for Christ. And we, we are united with them in the fact that we too are looking forward to the coming of our Christ. We are looking forward to his return. They were looking forward to that first coming, to his first appearing. We are looking forward to that second coming, to that second appearing. They were looking forward to salvation being accomplished. We are looking forward to salvation being fulfilled. We are united with them. Our faith journey. It's the same. We, like them, are looking forward to that which is the better. How much better it is to die and to be with Christ. How much better. Because you see, that's what faith does. Faith. Is always that which looks forward in hope and in assurance. That's why you see we're united. That's what David was doing. That's what Noah was doing. He was looking forward in the hope and the assurance that God would fulfill his promise of salvation. And your eyes and my eyes of faith look forward to that very same thing. The coming of Christ. The fulfillment. The completion. The finality of our salvation. Together. Because you see, Hebrews chapter 11 is saying there is but one means. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That apart from us, what does that mean? That means there was, there was no way for them to be made perfect without Christ. Just as for you and I, there is no way for you and I to be made perfect apart from Christ. That's what Hebrews has been tracking for us, hasn't it? It constantly brings our attention back to Christ. That yes, they had those sacrifices. Yes, they had the tabernacle. But those sacrifices and 
tabernacle do not accomplish. They're only those symbols, those shadows that look forward to Christ. How were those people in the Old Testament saved? By Christ. How are we saved? By Christ. They were given a Passover. By which they were looking forward to the coming of Christ. We are giving this table. By which what? What does Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of me. They're looking forward. We're looking back to what? Christ. They weren't looking forward to anything but Christ. We're not looking back to anything but Christ. So that together. See, the outcome for both. The outcome for, for a Noah. The outcome for an Abel. The outcome for an Enoch. Or anyone else listed throughout Hebrews chapter 11. Named or unnamed. The outcome for them is the same outcome that awaits you and I. Glory. Glory. See, when I'm a, one of God's people in the Old Testament, and at that Passover celebration, I, I take some blood and I put it upon the door of my home. I teach my children two things. I teach my children, when you look at that, look back. Look back. We were once slaves in Egypt, but God delivered us by the, His mighty hand through the blood of the Lamb. My children, look forward. Look forward to the day when God will fulfill His promise of sending us, our Savior. And He, as the Lamb of God, will come and pay that price with His blood and deliver us from all of our sins. You and I come to this table. And when our children ask, what is the meaning of these things? What did we do today in church, Mom and Dad? We say... We're here to remember. We're here to remember the past in which Jesus died upon that cross as the Lamb of God. He paid the price for your sin and for mine. But we're also taking this bread and we're taking this cup because we're looking forward to the day of glory. We're looking forward to Jesus coming again to take us to be with him. And you know what's going to happen then? Son, you know what's going to happen then, daughter? Our faith is going to be perfect. Because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm not the perfecter of my faith. Jesus is. And only when I understand in humility that it's only by His grace, only by His gift of faith 
that glory awaits. Only when I understand that I am the weak, but I'm made strong through Christ. That I have real hope and I have real assurance. And I can say, that which is ahead is far better. Amen? Amen.